Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Praise God, it's an honour and a privilege to be uh, sharing the word here tonight in uh, Island Church in Dundalk. Uh, Ran sent me a message on Saturday morning. He says, would you be willing to uh, preach on, on Wednesday night? And I thought to myself, how can you say no? <laughs> so uh, I said a word, and, uh, and, and for me, in order for me to uh, find out what God's saying to me, what I would do essentially is I'd head up the mountains and go and pray in the Holy Spirit, and God speaks to me, and, and then I'd, 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 I'd transfer it into my phone by talking into my phone, and I got a lot of scriptures and a lot of things, you know. Many the time when we go on holidays, into, I like going to Tenerife two or three times a year. I enjoy walking up and down the beach. And one of the benefits whenever you're in Tenerife, walking up and down the beach, you can sort of pray in the Holy Spirit. And because it's a, everybody's multilingual, there, they haven't a clue what you're doing. <laughs> oh, that's one of them Latvian or Polish, Eastern European people. So you, you sort of get away with it. Well, the funny thing is now, you don't really see that many people up the mountains but whenever you do see them now, they just think the same because we've got so many Eastern European people here. And then they say to me, uh, good morning. I say, good morning. And then they think to themselves, that boy's multilingual. He's clever, fellow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to pray anyway, just to open up in prayer, first of all. And So Father, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, bring forth the word that you give me, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for, for the humbly come before you. And thank you, Lord, for the ability to do it, Lord. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're for me, Lord. I'm asking you, Lord, to, to let your Holy Spirit move in these words you give me. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help me to complete it and do it as you've called me to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of John, chapter 6 and verse 28, I'm reading now the Amplified Version. Then they asked him, they asked Jesus, what are we to do so that we may habitually be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe, adhere to, trust in, rely on, have faith in the one whom he has sent. You know, we have to habitually do the things and do the works of Jesus. I remember many years ago, well, it's not many years ago, uh, whenever my children were just about old enough to walk, I decided that I wanted to train them to ski. So I took them over to Austria, into the Alps. And my children are really good, good skiers because they'll learn to ski. But Paul and I, we wouldn't have been just as agile as our kids. And, you know, if you don't learn to ski whenever you're young, and certainly if you don't keep it up, you'll lose the ability because you don't use it, you lose it. You must use it or you lose it. And funny enough, one of the... We always booked into a ski school class, and one of the places we went to in Austria was Kitzbühel in the, in the province of Tyrol. And we met a marvelous man. He was my ski instructor. Whenever I initially met him, I thought this is nuts because this old man came up, and he was 84 years of age, training me to ski. I thought to myself, how bad do you think I am? I mean, <laughs> I could ski at this stage. I wasn't a real agile or great skier, but I never fell. I very, very rarely would have fell down. But I could ski all right, just about ski. But anyway, this old man 
he was 84 years of age, very interesting. We used to take our lunch with him. We had a two-hour skiing in the morning and two-hour skiing at the night. And we used to take our lunch with this old gentleman. And the thing about it was, it had told us stories about him being a boy in, in, at the time of the Second World War and living in Austria. And he could see the British and American bombers coming over to attack the Nazis. It's very interesting. But one of the most amazing things about this man was he was so agile at 84 years of age. I mean, if you get to the top of a black run and you look down it, you think to yourself, how on earth am I going to get down it? Because it is steep, steep. And we're talking about snow here. However, this old man could get on his one ski with the other one up like that there and ski down those slopes. His agility was amazing. But his agility was amazing because he was doing it all the time. I mean, in the winter time, he skied and taught people to ski every week for four hours a day. And in the summertime, he was a guide. He took people around the mountains. It's the same thing in our walk of God. We need to be doers of the word. You know, it's good to be a hearer of the word. Hearing's good, but you need to be a doer of the word as well as a hearer. That's what the Bible says. Praise God. Things that you that you things that will cause you to step back. You know, your outlook will determine your outcome and how you see things is a very is a very important thing. You know, you need to be a glass half full person instead of a glass half empty. You need to be optimistic. You know, in our lives as Christians, you're going to have opportunities to be knocked back. In fact, you're going to have setbacks. Things are going to come against you. How many you know we have an adversary? The Bible says that we have an adversary, and our adversary is the devil, and he's coming to stop the plan and the will of God in your life. And if he can stop it, he'll stop it. But I'm here to tell you tonight, if you don't step back in your setback, God will give you a comeback. You will have a comeback in your life. You know, here's a difficult thing. When a lot of people have setbacks in their life, and I've had setbacks in my life, we've all had setbacks in our lives. Things come against us, things we're believing God for and moving into. But here's the thing, we play to we win. Our God is the umpire, and we play to we win. But whenever you have a setback, one of the most dangerous things, and a lot of Christians get here, they get a setback, and then they stay there. They don't move forward. They refuse to press on into the things of God. They get caught up in their setback. Years ago, people used to go to the cinema. You know, when cinemas first came out, maybe 100 years ago or whatever it was when cinemas first came out, even maybe 50 years ago. And one of the things in cinemas and things at that time, people were real familiar with them, was fleas. There were that many fleas in cinemas and stuff at that time. People used to call a cinema a flea pit. <laughs> That's what they got the name of way back, I suppose, in the 40s and the 50s. Because there wasn't all the sorts of you know, refined stuff now that we have for treating hair and treating clothes and washing machines and all that stuff. And people, there was no televisions either, so people all gathered at the cinema. And fleas were a big problem, so people were real familiar with fleas. But here's the thing, if you went to a fair 
which would have been, you know, there was lots of fairs at that time where, the, where people would have been shooting, you know, with ducks, getting the ducks in a row and all that sort of thing, and going in roundabouts and swings and all that stuff. There was a thing called the flea circus, and what had all these wee fleas in this flea circus, and they'd have been on wee swings and roundabouts and things, but people were amazed because they were familiar with fleas, and they knew that you couldn't keep fleas confined in this small area. They had to, this, they couldn't, they couldn't understand how this man kept these fleas in a small area. But what that man would have done was he would caught all these fleas and put them in a box about three foot high and put a lid on the box at three foot high. And the fleas would jump up and hit the roof of the lid of that box and near knock their brains out. And then they would say, I'll tell you one thing, I'm not going to do that anymore. So he lowered the lid of that box down about six inches to about 30 inches. And the fleas would have jumped up and hit their head off that lid at 30 inches. And they'd have done that a few times and it would hurt them and it says, that's the end of that, we're not jumping any higher. And he kept doing that and kept doing that and kept doing that and kept doing that till he got them down to an inch. And them fleas were jumping up, knocking their brains out an inch and decided they wouldn't jump any more than three quarters of an inch. So what actually happened then was he took the lid off the box. But even though the lid was off the box, the fleas were afraid to jump. They were afraid of jumping and hurting themselves. And that's happened to a lot of Christians over the years in situations where they've had setbacks, they've refused to jump. God is not going to stir you up. You have to stir yourself up. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, when I call remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that it is in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that they stir up the gift of God, that you stir up the gift of God. Now whether you need hands laid on or whatever, it's up to you. If you're waiting for God to stir up the gift of God, and you're going to wait for a very long time, we have to stir up the gift of God. It talks about unfeigned faith. That, that faith that was in you, and as in every born-again Christian, that, is not, that word unfeigned means it's not a phony faith. It's a real faith. You know, Romans 12 verse 3 says that everyone has been dealt the measure of faith. Like, I mean, Sue didn't get a measure, and Pastor Rand get a measure, and Anthony get another measure. They all got the same measure. It's up to you to develop the faith that God put on the inside of you. Just as you exercise your physical body, you need to exercise your faith. Sometimes when setbacks happen, it can cause a hope problem. Hope's a very important thing. I mean, if you lose hope, you're in a bad way. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You can't lose your hope or you're in a bad place. You need to continually be a hope person. You know, some, well, not sometimes. <laughs> I happen to go and watch Portadown, and that's not very good right now because they're just about second from bottom in the league. They've had a terrible season, but they're on the bounce back. <laughs> but anyway, when sometimes when I'm watching them, there's a player playing, playing badly. You know, somebody will shout, off, shout out in the stand, get that by off, he's a hopeless case. <laughs> I think to myself, I have, a, I have a laugh to myself, well, if he's a hopeless case, he's in a bad way. Hope is something that we need to stir up. You know, the world says, don't get your hopes up. I'm telling you, get your hopes up. Stir up your hope. I think 
a lot of people don't want their hopes up because they're full of pride. And the pride's stopping them. They don't want to get their hopes up and believe God. They don't want to step out in faith and believe God because they're afraid of failing. If you're afraid of failing, you're stuffed. You need to get your hopes up and you need to press into the things that God has for you. Second Corinthians, pardon me, First Peter, I don't want to get saying, First Peter 3 verse 15 in the Northern Ireland version. <laughs> but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asked you to give a reason for the hope that's inside of you. Inside of all of us, we have a hope. We need to let our light shine. We are full of hope. You know, if I, funny enough, I came out of a football match last night, and I'm always looking for an opportunity to say something optimistic in the middle of something that's totally a disaster. Portadown were winning a match in, in Kirk Fergus last night, 2-0. And there was like half an hour to go, and the other team got a, a player sent off. So we were playing against 10 men. And even though they were playing against 10 men and they went winning 2-0, at the end of the match it finished up 2 all. <laughs> it's a disaster. And people were walking out and they were scratching their heads. And I says, well, at least our own beating runs going on. <laughs> I always look for hope. We always need to be hopeful person. We need to be people of hope. You know, they just live by faith, and faith is the substance of things hoped for. So don't let anyone steal your hope. Your hope's important, and people will try and steal your hope. They'll try and knock your hope. And I don't know what it is. You know, sometimes in this country, people don't want to see people getting on. They want to knock their hope. Don't let anybody knock your hope. You encourage your hope all the time, and don't want anybody to take your hope. Whenever I first started coming to church and get setting under the Word of Faith movement, I knew what the Word of God says. Well, I didn't know. I was learning what the Word of God says. That one of the desires in my heart was I wanted to, as 27 years old, I wanted to get married. I was the age to get married. And I wanted a wife. I was believing God for a wife. And uh, one of the first things I'd done, I asked a girl out in the church, and she was a lovely girl, a good-looking girl, a woman of God, but she wasn't ready for a relationship. She wasn't ready to go on in, in, in that situation. So I had an opportunity to get my hope knocked, my hope damaged. The first girl, girl asked had said no. It was a bit of a setback, like. So, it was, you know, it was a bit of a setback for a young Christian going out in faith and believing God. And then... I kept on pressing on, and I got, I did my heart task, Paul out. And uh, in a roundabout way, I got her number on a phone call, and I phoned up and asked her out. And she said yes. And the night before, I, I was supposed to, I asked her out to come to church. That's what I was going to do. I took her to church. That's the first thing I'd done. And the night before, I asked her out to go to church. I went to a Christian concert in Belfast, in the lovely wee Ford Fiesta XR2KR. And whenever I come out of the, the whenever I come out of the concert in Belfast, some rascal has smashed the windows in her and stolen the radio. So that was a devastating situation. But fortunately, my brother lent me his Vauxhall Nova, a little Vauxhall Nova, and I went and picked Paul up. And now I'm married 29 years. So glory to God for that. And I have two children. We need to continue to be in hope. And we need to continue not to take opportunities and setbacks to give up. We need to press on to what God has for us. You know, a farmer sows in hope. He has faith that the seed that he has sown is, is going to produce. Mark 4 verse 27 says, And he that should sleep night and day 
and the seed should grow up, he knoweth not how. It's not up to us to know how. You know, whenever you turn a light switch on, it's not up to you to figure out, oh, Rand would know it, but I, and an electrician would know it. It's not up to you to figure it out. You just turn the light switch on. It's up to us to just do what the Word says and take it and act simple. A mighty man of God was told by God to do something really big, something that was way beyond his means. You know, if you can do it, it's probably not God. If God's asking you to do something that's beyond your means, you know, it's for you to get your faith out. Well, somebody, he went to God, he says, God, how am I going to do that? The money that that's going to take, you know, it's going to be big, big money. And God says, it's not up to you to pay for it. It's up to you to believe for it. Which was amazing. I thought it was a powerful way. Another way of not moving forward is looking at the circumstances. You know, if you continually look at the circumstances and what's going on around you, and the things that's coming against you, the chances are you're not going to move. I mean, whenever we started building this church, Ryan and I, and up and down, all the, the red tape and the things that were coming against us, if we were to look at any of them, this church wouldn't be built yet. I'm telling you, it was astronomical. You need to press on. You can't look at the circumstances. Matthew 14 and verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind voice, I was talking about Peter, the, he, he He's seen Jesus walking on the water, and Jesus says, and he, gee, Peter walked on the water. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. If God says you can do it, you can do it. God told Peter he could do it. Peter, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus and focused on the word that Jesus said to him, he was walking on the water. But he turned his eyes off Jesus, started to look at the circumstances, started to look at the waves and the wind boisterous, and he's caved in, give up and quit, and Jesus had to save him. Keep your eyes on the word. And another thing is a disaster. Don't be afraid of what man says. Hebrews 13 verse 6 says, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We, number one, need to be led of the Spirit of God. We need to do what God tells us to do because we have a leading and a gifting. Quite often, Rand would say, you know, if you believe God's telling you something to do, you need to step out on the ice. I hear any crack, go back and just rehearse it and make sure you've got the plan of God. Don't let the word talk, the world talk you out of what God has told you to do. Like if we had to let the world talk to us doing these buildings, we would have never got them done. Don't let the world talk. If God told you to do it, I learned from Ryan, you need to press on. And you know, as you're doing it, we were stepping out in the ice and things happened. Things come together when we were doing this here that you wouldn't have believed. End up and die. As we moved out, God ordered our steps. How many of you know the steps are a good man ordered? You commit your way on to the Lord, the Lord will order your steps. And here's a big one. Don't let Christians talk you out of it. Sometimes a Christian will come to you. Maybe somebody been in the world, and they're maybe a wee bit, you know, they're in loving for you. They don't want you to hurt yourself, and they want you not to miss it. But here's the thing: if God has told you to do it, don't let Christians talk you out of it, because that's one of the most dangerous things to talk you talk to let get talked out of it. I remember one time, this young fellow come to me, and he said he wanted to do a big painting contract, and I knew <coughs> whenever you go to do government jobs the hoops that you have to go through and the obstacles that you have to, to, to get through are astronomical. And he wanted to do, get involved and do big government jobs. And I could have told him all the reasons why he couldn't do it. But I had, a, I had a, 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 something in my spirit says, don't talk this young fellow out of it. 
So I have decided now, I don't care what somebody tells me they're going to do, I'm not prepared to talk them out of it. Because if they're in faith and they're believing God, who am I to talk them out of it? I don't care if they're going to paint, you know, the wings of the starship Galactica up, <laughs> up going around the moon. I'm going to talk, I'm, I'm going to fill your boots, go ahead, don't talk people out of it. Don't let the circumstances put you off. Don't let the wind and the waves distract you. You know, back in 2008, there was a recession coming in in the United States of America. Come there before anywhere. And a mighty man of God was filling his car up at the fuel station. And this fellow was filling his up just like it is now. Fuel was really expensive. More expensive than ever been before, just like it is right now. And he was filling his fuel up and there was a recession that started. Fuel was really expensive. And this man says to the man of God, he says, what are you going to do? Like, look at the price of fuel. How are we ever going to get through this recession? He says, I'm not participating. Now, it's all right to say I'm not participating and think you're going to float about in flowery beds of ease. He said he was not participating, but he had to exercise his faith. He had to remember the word. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. I'm a giver. My God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. I honor the Lord with my substance and the first fruits will increase. Therefore, my bonds will be filled with plenty. My presses will burst out with new wine. As long as he kept his eyes on the word, avoided the wind and the waves, he, and so he did, he didn't participate on it. He excelled in it. Another thing can stop you moving forward is your own words. Yes. Talk yourself out of it. I want to go and read a wee bit here. Read, read a little bit here in, in the book of uh, St. Luke, chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias. Of the course of Abba, or whatever it is, and his wife, was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth, And they were righteous before God, good people, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance, and the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was born, and both they were now well stricken in age. And it came to pass, while he executed the priest's office before the Lord God, order of course, According to the custom of the priest's office, was to burn incense and went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah. For thy prayer, that this is what he was believing God for, thy prayer has been heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit of Elias, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom, and just to make ready the people to prepare for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is stricken in age. She's an old doll too. 
And the angel answered, saying unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I am sent unto thee to show thee glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day these things shall be performed, because thou believest not the words that have been fulfilled in their season. He was believing God and praying God, him and his wife, for years and years and years. Believing God for a child. And here an angel appeared on them and told them that he was going to bear a child. And because, and this was the will of God. And this was the plan of God. But God had to, the angel had to stop his mouth. Because he was going to talk himself out of the very thing he was believing God and praying for for all them years. And we go to verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy unto her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred is called by this name. And they said, And they made signs unto his father that he would have him called. And he asked for a writing pad, a writing table. And he wrote his name John. And they marveled. And his mouth was opened immediately. And his tongue was loosed. And he began to praise God. So that man had to have his tongue stopped or he was going to talk himself out of the plan of God. Also what he was believing for. So how many of you know fast? The, how many of you know the Bible says, hold fast your confession for his great recompense of reward. Your tongue is very important. In Northern Ireland they say, hail your tongue. <laughs> Another thing that stop you from moving into the plan of God and fulfilling your destiny and not getting forward and a setback is operating in sin in your life. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. We need to not be living in habitual sin. We need to be walking holy before God. John Holloway prayed a marvelous message in the men's meeting a few weeks ago, and also Kimberly. There's some tremendous messages on holiness, and I would recommend that you get into them. We, we are in a great church. We've got great pastors. Praise God for them, and praise God for the words that's coming forth. You know, happiness is a right relationship with God. You know, the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. Sin sometimes look good. You know, sometimes when I look back on some of the, th- the times before I got born again, some of the things seemed like they were fun. But the devil never remembers you about all the bad times. And there were plenty of bad times. He only re- he'll only remember you things that seemed like it was a good time. Like I remember <clears throat> years ago, Whenever I was in, in, in drinking, I had a maybe in the pub, and there was gamblers in the pub, people who booked, gambled on the horses, you know, all the time. And I mean, these were single men generally that wore the same clothes forever. They lived in a two-up, two-down house, and all they could tell you about was all the money they won. They never remembered any of the defeats they had. Like, I mean, they were living in a two-up, two-down house. They hadn't got a car. They were drinking, and they had nothing. And all they could remember was the good things. That was not going to call you into remembrance, you know, of the, uh, 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 of the problems. He's going to tell you it was good. Sin is a disaster. 
running around drinking and having that sort of life will destroy your life and there's no goodness in it. The Bible says in 1 John verse 9 that we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't need to believe in, in habitual sin. There's no perfect person, don't get me wrong. There's no perfect church and if you're looking for one, you're not going to find one. Another thing that's going to cause you to step, step back and you're set back is, oh, I'm not worthy. You know, whenever I was growing up in Northern Ireland, you know, you, no matter what you've done, it wasn't perfect. You know, there's people out there and they were perfect. I mean, if you went, if you held a football on a Sunday, you were sinning. If you went to the shop on a Sunday, you were sinning. I remember whenever I come down to Dundalk at the start, and I was getting my life transformed with the Word of God, and wonderful teaching and wonderful messages, and it was transforming my life. But one of the things I couldn't understand at the start was people used to go out of church on a Sunday and go to the Chinese on a Sunday. Like they were causing them people to work. <laughs> you know, I had to get the whole, the whole thing changed and torn, torn around. You know, the other thing is sometimes you get people and they're so religious and you know they're not perfect themselves but they can't see their own mistakes. They can only see yours. Like Jesus says, all they can see is, you know, the moat, you know, they're looking at the moat in your eye and they're forgetting about the beam they have on their own. You know what I mean? There's people that's not, even David, who was a man after God's own heart, David should have been out fighting a war or something. He was lying at home and he was up on the roof one night and he seen this girl in the bath naked and he, he desired her and he had a relationship with her. And in order to have her, what he done was he sent her husband to the front line of war and her husband was killed in the front line of war so that he could take his wife. It was a terrible sin. And what happened was Nathan the prophet came in and told him a story of the very thing that he done. And he says, I would have that man killed because he could see all right what that man had done, but he forgot what he did. And the prophet Nathan says to him, you're the man. You're the man. He was the man that done that thing. You know, I was thinking also in relation to Jesus when he was preaching, they caught this woman in the very act of adultery. I don't know how they didn't catch the man, but they caught her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and they brought, they brought her to Jesus and says in the law, it says that this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, you know, here's what happens to her. And these were the holy people of the time. These were the Pharisees. These were the people who walked about, we know, with the Word of God in front of them and the phylacteries or whatever you call it, and they could see the Word and they were so holy and they were running around telling everybody how good they were. And they brought this woman, caught her in a fire, and Jesus knelt on, the, knelt on the ground and started drawing on the sand. And he says, I tell you what, he says, the first one of you that has no sin, you cast the first stone. And from the eldest one to the youngest one, they all left. And he told the woman, don't go, leave and don't sin anymore. But don't let somebody talk you out of what God has called you to do, saying you're not good enough, or making you feel you're not good enough, or looking down your nose at you either. Another way to step back in a setback is hanging around the wrong people. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. I've even got the short to prove it. So you need to get around people of God. You need to be in church and get around believers of God who sharpen you up, who tell you what the Word of God, tell you what they're believing for, encourage you in your beliefs. Get around them sort of people. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 says, 
don't team up with those who are unbelievers who, how can righteous be a partaker with wickedness and how can light live with darkness? You know what? You, you, you should not go into partnership or into a marriage relationship with anybody that's not a child of God. You know, about 10 years ago, Pastor Hassan came down to preach in Portadown. I preached some tremendous messages in faith, some wonderful words. And there was a good-looking young fellow there, about 24 or 5 years of age. His name was Noel. And his, gir- his, his girlfriend was with him at the time. And she wasn't born again, but he was born again. And I mean, this girl came to the meetings every Sunday night and every Thursday night. She never missed with Noel. And they must have done that for about a year. But she, there was messages where Hassan preached an evangelistic message. We're asked going to get born again again. They were that good. You know, and she never gave her life to the Lord. She never put her hands up and accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. But she was, seemed like a lovely girl. She was a friendly girl. Like Noel was a good-looking young fella. And they seemed like a, you know, a real good couple. However, they decided they wanted to get married. And they were engaged. And she, wasn't, she was not born again. And she had more opportunity to get born again. We couldn't understand it, why she never got born again. It was ridiculous. Like she was coming to church week in and week out, but refused to, to accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Well, anyway, Noel, he decided he was going to marry her. And Pastor Hassan gave him a word. He gave him a word says, you, you don't be unequally yoked. You can't be unequally yoked. But he went ahead on and got married. Well, they weren't married six months till she ran away with no man. And I mean, that family was devastated. A Christian family. You have no idea of the heartbreak that those people went through in relation to that. I know the people, and my heart bled for them. The suffering that they went through. Not only suffering and hurt because of the, 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 the hurt they felt about it, but the financial strain it put on them. Because they bought a house and all sorts of things. It was a total disaster. Do not be unequally yoked. Don't get around the wrong people. The wrong people will bring you down. Get round people who's going to encourage you and build you up. Another thing that will cause you to step back in a setback is if you're blinded from the truth. If you don't know the truth or else you're being blinded from the truth. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You know, I'm not very good with uh, computers and, and Apple devices and things like that there. Like I can remember back in the 80s whenever, you know, a big Betamax or whatever it was, video recorder came out. I mean, if you push it in forward, back and play, that was about it. See all the rest of the stuff on it was a waste of time because we never used it, you know. And of course, it always come with the instructions, but who needed the instructions? You know what I mean? They threw the instructions out just like they threw the Word of God out. You need to read the instruction book. You need to read what the Word says because you can be perishing for not knowing your... <coughs> the Bible says that there are benefits as children of God. We have benefits. If you don't know your benefits, you're never going to use them. So one of the things that will cause you to be uh, step back and step back is you're blinded from the truth. Another thing on in that verse, it says, or they have rejected the truth. How many of you know people who sat in under the word, got signs and wonders, miracles? I've seen people getting children that shouldn't, that were barren, breakthroughs, wonderful things, and they're not even going to church anymore. They've rejected the truth. They're not going to church. And they told me, don't miss church. 
The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And neither you should. They've been blinded. I mean, if you create a habit of not going to church, if you spend a couple of weeks not going to church, the devil's going to manipulate that. You need to sit in under the word. Second Corinthians 4 verse 4. Satan, who is the God with a small g of this world, has blinded their minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. <clears throat> the psalmist David says, put a guard over my mouth. Put a guard over your mouth. Your words are important. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Look after the words that you say. The words that you say are very important. Matthew 12, verse 37 says, Your words will acquit or condemn you. Not the world's words. Not other Christians' words. Your own words. Your word will either put you over or cause you to step back. You know, I was... uh, I had to come down to, to, to Newry the other day. I'd leave some parts for a car down to a man. And I turned the radio on and there was a, there was a, a, me, a, there was a, there was a thing they were doing where they were talking to people, Russian people, who lived in, 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 in the United Kingdom. And they were asking them, you know, what they felt about the situation in relation to what was going on in the war between uh, Russia and Ukraine. And these Russian people were devastated at what was going on. They were totally, we don't want this. They were embarrassed about it. They were totally devastated. And, but the, here's the odd thing about it was, when they phoned home to their families, their families were so much for it. They were blinded completely. I mean, the propaganda machine that's going on in, 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 in Russia has the people completely backing it. That I was shocked. It says the families would even nearly have fell out with them. You know, Lester Summerall, who's a mighty man of God in the, 19, in the 20th century, he was in Germany in 1938. And in 1938, he met all these wonderful pastors who were Pentecostal pastors, who heard from God, who knew the Word of God, and they thought Hitler was a great fella. You know, just because somebody does something good doesn't mean they're a good person. Here's the thing. Adolf Hitler and his Minister for Propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, they completely blinded the minds of the German people. And the good German people, which was a great nation of great people, went to war and devastated that nation for many years. These were two very evil men, Adolf Hitler and uh, Joseph Goebbels. Indeed, after the war, the people of Germany were so blinded, the Allied armies had to take them by the hands and bring them into the death camps to show them the atrocities that were done, or else they wouldn't have believed it. It's amazing how the devil can blind the mind. Another thing will stop you from pressing in to the things that God has for you if you can have your mind blinded. We need to continually focus on the Word, need to continually be in church and sit on under the Word. It's now 77 years since the, since the Second World War and Germany's starting to jump again. It's good that Germany started to come. We need a strong Germany again. This is the tremendous time of opportunity given what's going on in the world. We need to step up to what's going on. We need to not be afraid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, one of power, love, and a sound mind. We live in Ireland. We're a strategic place. We're not 
we're part of Europe, but we're not connected to Europe. By, we have sea borders. And there's going to be so many refugees coming out of this situation in Germany. It'd be good if we could believe God. Maybe if there's some way we can help these people. We need to look and see if there's some opportunities there that we can take. Do not get bogged down in insignificant things. That will set you back. Get bogged down with stupid... I'm telling you this here now. If you, had a, if you lived in the northern Kiev and uh, you had a, a, a fight with your, with, 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 your, with your neighbor about some bit of land or a right-of-way or something like that there, that might have been a significant thing a couple of weeks ago, but to tell you one thing, it's not a significant thing now. Don't get bogged down with insignificant things. Focus on the plan of God and get cut, get, get press into the, the plan that God has for you. You know, if about three weeks ago on the news, there was a Liverpool footballer kicked a cat. Now, a West Ham player wouldn't do that. And it made headlines. I tell you one thing, it wouldn't make headlines tonight. It's an insignificant thing. Don't get bogged down with insignificant things. The, the Bible says in Exodus 14, 13 and 14, the enemy you, you see today, ye shall again see no more forever. Number one, let your light shine. Number two, this is your life. Enjoy it. Abundant life has been provided for you. Number three, make an impact. You're more than a conqueror. You're a mighty person. Whenever I come here, the first wee woman come up to me and says, you're a mighty man of God and you're fell off the chair. <laughs> I had a packet of cigarettes in my pocket. <laughs> but you are what the word says you are, whether you feel like it or not. Make a difference. The Bible says you're a peculiar people, not a bizarre people, but we are a peculiar people. We don't sound like the world. We've got a different song. We've got a different word in our heart. We've got the joy of the Lord in the inside. We have the hope of God on the inside of us. So that's the message for tonight. Glory to God. <clears throat> I just want to pray over our offering here. The Bible says that we... trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on all in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And see a few verses later it says, Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of your increase. Therefore your barns will be filled with plenty and your pestles will burst out with new wine. Now there's no reason logically to believe that, but it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. When that farmer plants that seed out in the farm, whenever he's planting that, he's not sleeping. I wonder is that going to come up? He's confident. You be confident the seed that your soul is going to It's a time to prosper. It's a time to believe in your harvest. It's a time right now to receive what your harvest. So Father, I thank you for this opportunity to give. I thank you, Lord, for givers. You said in your word, Father God, that you would multiply our seed sown and you'd give us seed to sow. You said in your word, Father God, that whenever we tithe, that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing there's not room enough to receive. We believe you receive breakthroughs, opportunities, doors of opportunity. Help us to walk through them. Help us to be led by your spirit. I thank you for this word that you've given me, Father God. I thank you it's a word in season and it'll be a blessing to whoever listens to it from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie